Is that okay? Let's just re-record that. Welcome to another episode of the Key in the Late Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast without the mention of whiskey in the title whatsoever. And I don't think we'll be talking much whiskey today either. Well, um, Wilson, once again, for the third podcast, has left me hanging with a limp mic next to me. Um, but I am joined by another co-host of sorts to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. The one and only Callum O'Donnell. That's me. That's him. <laughs> That's him. Today's uh, a big day. Today's a good day. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's a snowy, it's crappy snowy. day. It's snowy as fuck, yeah. But we'll uh, have a good conversation here about what you wanted to highlight. Um, that we've been talking about for the last, what, 10 days now? Or I guess the whole entire country has been talking about the last 10 the world. days. The, the world. whole world, yeah. actually, yeah. Definitely. I think I think so, at least then. And that was kind of why I said to you, because, you know, it was something that you and I both talked about mm-hmm. when I saw you. I think it was that Sunday, that same Sunday that I saw you. Yeah, it was that night at King of Cups. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Kobe Bryant, man. Yeah, passed away, unfortunately. So it was one of those things where I think it hit us both pretty hard initially. Um, yeah, it's it was the most impacted it, I've ever been regarding yeah. a, a, a celebrity. You know, I think 2008 Heath Ledger mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. big. Same, I you know, about that I, too, I, yeah. I loved Heath Ledger. A Knight's Tale is one of my top, probably ten, five maybe favorite films. Um, and he was just you know such an iconic guy, mm-hmm. and you know it's funny. To, on the subject of Heath Ledger, I was reading about him the other day, and when he he was he was picked for uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, yeah, right, you know, it's like a I think it was late nineties or early two thousands, but it's a nineties film, right? It's got that. There you my, go. One of my favorite movies, Julia Styles, man. Julia Styles. It's got that feel to it, right? Oh, that nineties yeah. feel, and um, the the two that were slated to play him, one was Ashton Kutcher. Which I don't see, no, at all. Too goofy. Yeah, Not and cool the other enough. one that I, the other one that um, I saw was uh, uh, that saw was supposed to play him was the guy that was in Pearl Harbor. Not um, Ben Affleck, the other guy. Oh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. So Hartnett. hot right now. So hot right now. Um, so you know, Heath got into that. Then he got into Dark Knight, and and then obviously when he did Brokeback Mountain, A Knight's Tale, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then he died in 2008, and I was genuinely, that was the first time a celebrity had ever died that I was like, holy shit, like, Same. this yeah. is big. Um, and then there's been a couple over the years, you know. Um, Whitney Houston was big for a lot of people, I think. Didn't really hit me very hard, not in terms of, I mean, she has, a, she has classics, of course, but um, not massively into into Whitney and then, man, like I saw that text of um, of Kobe, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck, this is this." I I was so sure it wasn't real. Yeah. And one of the sad things about it is that, you know, TMZ released that before their families knew. Yeah, it was uh, actually I was listening to a podcast, a sports podcast, with um, the head of the department of sports journalism at Northwestern, because him and the students were talking about that. Is it their? Um, is it your job as a journalist to report what you know, or is it your job as a journalist to be a good person? And he, I think he said like 49, all 49 kids in the class agreed that they, they were doing their job, which they are. I was a journalism major. Um, yeah. Finding out your husband, your dad passed away, your son, regardless of you know what that person meant to you, there's no good way to figure it out. Uh, I don't know if through TV or TMZ or reporting, or like how I figured it out through the ESPN app where – you know, it could pop up on your screen. And it's like, mine, oh. my, mine was Twitter. Mm-hmm. I was literally scrolling through Twitter and I saw it TMZ and yeah. it was a one minute old post. And I was like, Jesus, this cannot be right. Like, so I saw it and it was early and I was like, maybe, 
maybe not. Like maybe mm-hmm. this is just a total joke, you yeah. know? Because I mean, you, there's been people, you know, people have been said, "Oh, so and so died," or "So and so died," and it's always a hoax, right? Um, and then you know, more and more sources started reporting it. Mm. Now, I mean, the, regarding the journalism thing, I'm not a journalism major. Um, I'm not even a journalism minor. I'm a journalism mm. nada. Nada. Um, so, you know, I don't know how I feel about that, man. I think yeah. it's difficult. You know, I think especially eight other people, you know, if, I think if it was my, if I think if I had something to do with like political affairs or like world affairs or international relations, then yeah, you know, you should report it quickly. But man, like could they not have at least just let the police talk to Kobe. I also you know? don't know the full details of if, if TMZ did, didn't know that information either. Yeah. If they released it before the families yeah, were never no, know, no, right? notified. Obviously, I would assume... They probably got the story and were like, right, we're on this. Yeah. You know, we need this. So. Um, I mean, obviously, the families, the people that weren't the Bryans, those families had no idea because they're not celebrities. So they definitely probably found yeah. out that way through... Um, they probably had no idea or no other... Um, opportunity here I yeah. guess from authorities but a cop knocking on your door or Oof. a TV screen telling you or a phone telling you it's uh, pretty painful either way but I'm glad we're doing this after the fact because I don't know if like a week ago I could have done this podcast um, or had this conversation without celebrating Kobe Bryant and more just talking a memoriam of him where I think it's a celebration of a human being. Unfortunately when they pass that young you just want to kind of remember all the good things. But yeah and there was a lot of good I mean obviously Kobe had his he had his controversy, or yeah. his one, his, I mean, there must have been several, but he's one big controversy that mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get to and we can chat about briefly. But, yeah. um, you know, aside from that controversy, he was an amazing guy. Like, he was mm-hmm. just an amazing player, but an amazing person, first and foremost. Um, and um, a lot of people have talked about how good a father he was, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really important to remember. But I'm more of like... I don't don't get me wrong. Him being an amazing father and doing so much in the international community is amazing. Mm. But I, when I think about Kobe Bryant, I'm going to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. How dominant he was and like yeah, a scorer. Um, I agree with all of that. When for you, for people that don't know, Callum is from Scotland. How did uh, the reach of Kobe Bryant get and the reach of the NBA get over to you? So, I started playing basketball when I was 15. Um, I wanted to do some cardio. I used to fence and I wanted to do some cardio. Um, and my older sister uh, played. Now, I played a little bit at high school and stuff, but she had played before and she had all these friends who were her age or older who were all playing. So I used to go down to the court and, and play with them. Mm. And it was just learning. And then eventually I started up with a local team and everybody was wearing these Bryant jerseys, <laughs> right? And I remember thinking, like, who the hell is this Bryant guy? Like, mm. and at first, at first, you know, when you first get into a sport like the NBA, which isn't, which wasn't really played in Scotland, yeah. My exposure to Kobe Bryant and all that was through these jerseys. So I don't know if you remember. Um, do you remember Adam Morrison? Oh yeah. Right. So my. Some, I think it was my mum's cousins were in the US and my mum said, oh, Calum's really getting into basketball. Mm. And they bought me a Charlotte Bobcats top with Morrison on the back. Really? Yeah. What a find. Oh, God. I mean, that, it's probably worth a fair bit of Bob now. Jesus Christ. I mm. bet you Adam Morrison would pay to have it burned and hidden. Probably. Um, if it was a Gonzaga Adam Morrison jersey. Yeah, then story. it's a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, so there you go. I mean, that... I started, and that was the first experience, this first bit of exposure that I had to Kobe. And this must have been, this must have been in like 2000 and 
five, six, seven. So I would have been, what, 13, 14, 15, moving on. Um, and so that was my first exposure to him, you know. Mm. I, and then obviously coming into 2006, 2007, 2008, like on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, and starting to see things, like mm. seeing him do things that I was like, oh my God, you know. Him and Michael were the first people that I would watch like their highlights of. <laughs> and it's funny because I was thinking about this this morning when I was uh, thinking about doing this podcast. I started off hating Kobe. Like my first eight years of basketball, of NBA, I hated Kobe <laughs> with a vengeance because LeBron at the time, he was mm. this young kid, 2006, 2007. You know, he went to the finals 2007. So he was like this up and coming yep. phenom in the NBA. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I love LeBron James. And it was like Kobe was his one, like him and Kobe, that was it, right? Mm -hmm. It was Kobe versus LeBron. And everybody wanted to see a LeBron-Kobe finals. In 2009, that was, right? That the year that they could have... So yeah, yeah. the the Lakers beat the Magic 4-1 in the finals, but the Magic had beaten... Uh, LeBron's Cavaliers 4-1 I think in the same. they had like those puppet commercials the, yeah MV puppets I've yeah. actually written that down oh, here did you? that was something that I wanted to talk about you know yeah the um, Nike commercials they're basically <laughs> a forecaster bring, uh, bringing the NBA championship between the Lakers and the Cavaliers into <laughs> willing it into the future into reality um, yeah I remember you know we, whenever I was playing basketball and we were going into uh, games like after the regular season because we, I played in a, a quite a good team. They just won. Well, I mean, I say quite a good team, right? mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, not like American level. But um, they just won Scotland's National Basketball League uh, uh, last year. Gotcha. Um, and they, you know, good team. But there was a guy there. There's a guy in the team that you know he he went he played he came over here played Div two or Div three or something pretty decent player. Mm. Um, and there's a couple other guys that are a little bit more adept than him. So you know there's a couple of guys who maybe could have played a little bit of you know semi pro or pro in in Europe, right? So a decent decent standard. But um, when we were going into the end of the season, we would always say from MVP MV puppets postseason postseason <laughs> and you know he's got the chop right yeah, so yeah. Um, you know there were so many good so many so many so many good episodes there hmm. uh, but yeah man my first my first experience of Kobe Bryant was seeing the jerseys hmm. very much like the one that I'm wearing thank you for yeah thank you for supporting that was me. from his uh, second year in the league I believe I was 10 or 11 years old and uh, 1998, 97. Uh, I think must he have been came 90, in 96, right? He came in 96. I think it was he's at least, must have been 97. Um, maybe been 90, yeah, at least 97. Because I, I remember I got the jersey and then we moved like the year after that. So that's another thing as well with Kobe, man. Is like you look at his career. Mm-hmm. No, that's what for me it was hearing about this. I mean, this is you know, pre internet, pre YouTube, everything like that. No cell phones. This is the mid 90s. And you're hearing about this kid who's going to go to the NBA on Sports Center. Like all I did was watch play sports, watch Sports Center, watch sports. Like that's all I did my entire like childhood growing up. Played hockey, play video games that were about sports. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was in Des Moines. In Des Moines. Well, I was in before Which that. Which I just visited this weekend, by the way. For anyone listening, legend who's never been to Des Moines, I O W A. I was there in Iowa, um, and it is exactly like you've heard of. You know, Des Moines. There's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of people. 
and it's a lot of fields. I was driving home. Actually, the drive home was nice in the daytime. The drive home, the drive there in the summertime, it's, as soon as you cross over the border, it's a completely different landscape from Illinois to Iowa. It's a lot more hillier and green and all that stuff. More yeah, curvature to it. Yeah, so um, a lot of corn. <laughs> Hot damn, those corn fields. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Cedar Ridge. Shout out to Templeton. <laughs> Cedar Ridge, shout out to them. <laughs> Good people. Um, I'm yeah. a people that. Uh, but yeah, no, kind of getting back to, yeah, growing up and seeing this kid who's coming out of the NBA who's just, you know, what, seven, eight years older than me and coming out of high school to, to go to the NBA, didn't think it was really possible, even like Kevin Grant came out, Garnett came out the year before, but he was, he's a big dude. Like, you know, seven he, one. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you're like, oh yeah, like this guy could probably, you know, put some pounds on and hold his own. And the other thing as well is when Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett was 17 or 18 or whatever. Yeah. He looked like a 30 year old man. He did. Yeah. And like, he, and even now, yeah. even now you see him on these shows and when he, when he doesn't have facial hair, I just mm. saw him in Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. right? In the film. And they played clips from 2012, mm-hmm. right? So eight years ago in yeah. this film. And he hasn't aged no. the fucking day, man. Black don't crack. Guess not. <laughs> <laughs> These guys, man, they look so good. Like Kevin Garnett and even Kobe when he died, man. Mm-hmm. He looked better than he did in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. Like he, that little bit of beard he had mm-hmm. going on. I always thought he kind of looked really skinny and frail at the end of his career. Not frail, but just for him. Just didn't like, I mean, I'm sure he just couldn't hold the muscle the way he used to and work out yeah. the way he wanted to. But uh, yeah, he looked like he was a high school kid almost the way he came out. Yeah, he was wore baggier clothes too. Um, towards I mean, the, the thing is as well the amount of calories that these guys are burning, mm-hmm. right? Like on a night to night basis. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not sure how much your listeners, being big whiskey guys, are familiar. But like, there's a there's a term called reversibility, mm-hmm. which is when after 48 hours your body starts to break down, um, you know, muscle that it doesn't need, yep. right? So. Uh, as an athlete, you want to be in the gym like every, you know, every day and a half, two days, whatever it is, you know, and that's why you see a lot of these programs that guys are one-on-one off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like these guys in the NBA, you know, and at 82 games in the season. Back to you know, backs. Back to backs, 10-day trips, yeah, like away trips, away games, you know, and they're just playing every night. They do shoot-arounds, they're in the weight room, you know, and then the, and then they're in all these different cities. They're flying, traveling all the time. So they're probably you know uh, all this kind of stuff. It's hard to keep pleasuring pleasuring ladies from coast to coast too, as well. Yeah, well, that, we do that as well, don't uh, we? A little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, so it's difficult, I think, to see Kobe as that because obviously when I first started looking at Kobe, two thousand six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 2010 was the year that I hated Kobe the most because he was unstoppable. Yeah. Him and Powell in that final versus the Celtics. Like, yeah. I mean, the Celtics had, a, I mean, the Suns had a chance to beat the Lakers. Um, Garn, uh, Artest mm-hmm. had a humongous offensive rebound in game six, I mm-hmm. think it was, of the Western Conference Next Finals. Um, Steve Nash, RIP baby, you know, he was definitely <laughs> still alive. That, yeah, he's still still alive, but that career died a death, man. It was sad, you know, he, yeah. he hurt his back and then he was out. And thankfully, he won a ring as a coach with, with the Warriors. But mm. um, yeah, that Western Conference Finals versus the Suns, you know, it went really close. Um, and then obviously in the finals, they went to game seven against Boston. And the whole time, I was just like, there's no way, there's no way. Um, uh, Lakers are going to beat these guys. I didn't think so either. Yeah, and, and I'm so, Lakers fan too. So yeah. So and then Kobe just—I mean, he didn't even have that great of a game seven, but it's just Mm-mm. like he just willed them over the line. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it was a game seven, right? 
2010? I think so. I can't remember. I think 2008 was six games. Was it 2009? 2009 was five games against Magic. They won one game. And then 2008, the uh, the Celtics beat the Lakers. We'll have our stats team look it up after the podcast. Yeah. We'll get back out to you guys. Um, and then 2010, uh, I think it was seven games. Um, and then, of course, 2011 was the Mavs, but who swept the Lakers in four. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, like Kobe Bryant, you know, the broken finger Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Like, on your on your shooting hand finger, it's like your index finger, having that tape always on there, but still just being on. There's a shot that Kobe makes in that finals, in the 2010 finals, where he's on like one, he comes in once in the lane, I think he's dribbling le- uh, on his left hand, uh-huh. and he and he pulls up and Garnett's there. Mm. And he, you know, Garnett goes straight up to try and block the shot. And Kobe's obviously traveling so fast that he just holds on, he's got so much air time. Yep. He just holds on till he's on the other side of the hoop and just knocks it in, you know, just mm. uses the glass. And I remember like seeing those kind of shots and there was one that I saw the other day is, you know, people, all these different highlights are coming out that I'd totally forgotten about, but the one where he makes a three-pointer left-handed, mm. you know, he's in the corner yep. and he's getting trapped on his left-hand side. So he turns towards the baseline and if he shoots it with his right, he knows he's going to get blocked. So he shoots it with his left and puts his right hand up yep. and it swishes. I'm like, really, Kobe? <laughs> and he probably was like actually working on that his entire career, just in, just in case that one time he ever got stuck in the corner. Had to use it that way. And I think it's really powerful to see, and it really highlights that the impact that he's had on uh, people all across the world in various industries as well. Um, when it first came out, I turned on ESPN to see what was going on. I was sitting on our couch. We're recording from my living room for the second or third straight podcast. So, and uh, we'll be back at Beguiled this Friday, though. But um, sitting over there, and my wife was on her on the phone with her dad. And I was wrapping up some work before going to an event. My phone was sitting on the couch, um, a couple of feet away from me. I kept seeing it like light up. I was like, buzz, I don't, buzz, buzz, I don't yeah. really care, like whatever. Um, some probably something about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's uh, so she's talking to her dad, and all of a sudden she's like, Kobe Bryant died, and she says it so nonchalantly, kind of like, oh, uh, you know, something like you hear on the news, uh, two sh- shootings on the south side, two dead, and you're just like, wow, that sucks, but. Um, it's sad, but life goes on. And this one, you're like, wait, what? No. And so I grab my phone, turn on ESPN, um, and the Pro Bowl's on. And they're just making the announcement, Booger McFarlane and Joe Trasatori, about uh, the passing. And then all you see the players' reactions to it. And then they start interviewing the players on the sideline immediately. And they're like, oh, like Kobe built this generation of NFL. And you're, and you're just like, what, what? And you, you'd assume that they're fans of his because they're the same age as us, um, a little bit younger, a little bit older. But you didn't know the cross-cultural um, impact he had on sports, and then you see it in, through multiple industries. So I wore that jersey on Sunday night to a, an event, and people are coming up to me, you know, bartenders, business people, and you're all having the conversations. Like, it wasn't just Kobe Bryant as a basketball player. It was Kobe Bryant as the human being. Yeah. Um, the will he, he created and manifested and then portrayed out to uh, everybody through interviews and um, conversations that he would have that the detailed show, um, also with this, like, uh, some mini like docuseries he had about coming back from his injury. You're seeing the guy like wake up at four o'clock in the morning, um, working out. He has that helicopter though, to spend more time with his family. It's like a little reason why he has it. So he can bypass all the traffic in LA to get home faster to his kids. And, yeah, and I think the great irony of that was, you know, he was with his daughter. Yeah. yeah. You know, with his daughter. And then it's this tool he's using to be, spend more time with him is kind of, uh, um, the tool that kind of created his death in his own way. 
And my dad sent me an email, and I posted this on our Instagram page too, just saying about um, this article he gave me as a kid in Sports Illustrated talking about Kobe Bryant's work ethic, and this is what it took to be you know, a, a legend, if you will, um, as a professional athlete. Because all I wanted to do was like be a professional athlete growing up. It's like, well, if it was basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, it didn't matter. All I wanted to do was play sports and go to college and play sports and then be a professional athlete. And then like 16, reality sets in. You're like, eh, I'm a white kid from Iowa. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I threw a 71 mile an hour. Yeah, fastball. it's like you're <laughs> you're a tough player, but you run a four nine forty. and you're not th- and you're not that big. <laughs> and like you're kind of strong, but uh, so reality kind of sets in. But it just was the impact, his motivation to always be the best. And for the, I probably for the first half of his career, if not you know in the first two uh, two thirds to three fourths of his career, he was just seen as that like viper. Obviously, that's where the mamba mentality comes from, where he just wanted to seek and destroy. Didn't care about who was left in his way either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I hated him. Yeah, you know, like because yeah. you, I wasn't I wasn't watching basketball mm-hmm. in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. You know, for the the three peat, mm-hmm. but like. You know, you, I've gone back and I've watched a lot of the games, especially that series against Sacramento. Oh, yeah. You know, great. a team that was built mm-hmm. to beat Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Like, Pretty it was much, a yeah. team that was built to beat them. And uh, the the NBA might have had some impact on that as well. Well, we, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of controversy. I say a little bit, but there's a lot of controversy there. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, game, I think it was game six, you know, when you look at the free throw counts and things like that, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kobe just had this thing. And, you know, and out of hatred, maybe, maybe it was out of hatred, you know. Hate's a strong word. I, I didn't hate him, but I was just so terrified of him because I thought he was going to beat all my favorite yeah, uh, all my favorite players. More of resentment. Yeah. Um, but you look at these games and you look at the way he played and you look at the way he approached the, the, the game, you know, and approached the way that he lived his life. Mm-hmm. Everything was about just total dominance, right? Mm-hmm. And total mastery over, not even over people, but over the skills that yep. he was trying to learn, you know? I have I have written down a couple of things Please. here that I yeah. wanted to... Please share. Small... Um, we have the same pen and notebook. Weird. Yeah. Small, um, <laughs> small little tidbits that I've heard and read mm. about. And so the first one is the cycling story. Okay. Um, I don't know if I heard this one. So Kobe wanted to do some cardio. Okay. And you can you should probably Google this to make sure that I'm telling this correctly. Okay. But um he in the dead of night, you know, he was cycling forty miles really? in the deserts in California. Now that sounds insane. Um and it is insane, but it's Kobe Bryant. So that was the first story I heard about him just like taking things to the next extreme, you know, go forty on. mile bike ride. Here we go. Is that it, right? Uh, was it 40 miles? Yeah, for, that was the headline legit. by Ramona Shelburne. Yeah, Ramona Shelburne interviewed him, yep. or interviewed one of the coaches, I think. And um, they told her this story about Kobe wanting to do a cardio workout and getting all the coaches onto bikes, like in the, at the dead of night. And it's like a 40-mile bike ride in the desert in yeah. California. Just ridiculous. There's oh, so st- there's t- Team USA. Yeah, because okay. there's another story about Team USA where one of the coaches, I forget his name, one of the assistant coaches gets a call and, you know, it's the dead of night and it's, I think it's one mm-hmm. or, or even like midnight or something and it's Kobe and he's like, hey, um, can we go and do a little bit of a workout? And the coach is like, fucking hell, Kobe, it's like whatever time in the morning. 
And so he um, he goes down to the, the practice facility and Kobe's already there, mm. right? He's working up a sweat, boom, hitting shot after shot. You know, he's just putting up shots, trying to make sure that everything's right, taking his time, going through the motions. And eventually they finish like an hour and a half grueling workout. You know, Kobe's hit like a thousand shots and, you know, he's done a bit of cardio and stuff. And the coach is like, right, I'm going to go back to bed, get a little bit of sleep. This is like 4 a.m. or something now. Mm. I'm going to go get a wee bit of sleep, a nap, and then I'm going to uh, I'm gonna come back for morning practice. Um, so we'll see you there. Maybe see you at breakfast. Kobe's like, right, cool, man. I'm going to hang out, maybe hit a couple of other shots, and then I'll go to bed. Yeah, I was like, right, okay, cool. So the coach comes back in the morning for a morning shoot around. And there's Kobe. Hmm. Uh, he's obviously worked up another sweat. And this guy's like, Kobe, man, like, fuck. What time did you get here this morning? Because obviously, you know, I saw you last night or, or earlier this morning in the dead of night. Kobe was just like, well, I, I didn't leave. Hmm. And it's like, that's just another level of, because one thing that, one thing that strikes me, and, it's, and I think everybody in any aspect of your life can relate to this. Mm -hmm. If you're competitive, like I am very, very competitive. So if someone else is there, I get more out of myself, mm -hmm. right? I get more Same. out of myself. But Kobe had this like, Kobe obviously had this like inner drive. Yeah, he like created his own enemies. That he, and, and you know, you hear stories about Michael doing that as well. Mm -hmm. And where Kobe, Kobe was fighting against something that he built himself mm -hmm. like he wasn't it didn't matter who was in the gym with him like that day you know he was with he could have taken four hours off and no one would have known right like the, the only guy that would have known was that coach mm. but kobe stayed in the gym the whole night just putting up shots because he wants to get better yep. it's like it's almost i don't even know how you pronounce it but maniacal mm -hmm. yeah in a way no like, and jay williams talked about that too on espn right after he had passed like you know an hour maybe if that and it was like he, he only played one year in the NBA because he got a motorcycle accident, which yeah, almost took, took his life. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of my favorite players to watch in college. Big Duke fan as well. But he, did he only, did he only play one mm -hmm. year? Yeah, hurt after his rookie year because he he lost his contract rights, didn't he? As well because the uh, the motorbike or something that he was gone on voided his insurance. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, well, I mean, he's he's made it up good a career out of it. But um, you talking about how probably not the same. Yeah, career he was, he, probably. He was talking about how he went when one time playing the Lakers. Uh, in his rookie year, he went in early. He's like, I want to be the first one there. Uh, I want to be there before Kobe, too. Working out. Kobe comes in, starts doing his workout. This is before the game. Building up a sweat. They're at one, both at opposite ends of the, of the floor. And so Jay Williams like, yeah, it's good, good to go. And he leaves, and he kind of comes one of those same things. He leaves, comes back, and Kobe's still there working, like still just shooting and like soaking wet clothes. Goes out, you know, does Kobe Bryant things during the game. And asked him, uh, how do you do that? Like, how do you have the will to keep doing it? He's like, nobody will ever beat me. Just like, that's his mentality. Whatever he does in life, like, nobody will ever beat him. Um, which is just, it's something that like, stuck with me hearing those stories as a kid. And just professional, not just him, but like professional athletes in yeah. general. Even business people that like, yeah. they wake up at 3.30 in the morning. They do, like, they work out. They do this. Then they have, they have a whole set day. Of how to be, how to motivate themselves through an entire day to accomplish all their daily goals, and to be the best of what they can be. So, like for me, he was like one of those professional athletes that was um, completely embodied all of that. It helps you get through things in your daily life. Um, if it is even only selling whiskey too. Uh, well, the the other story as well that, and it kind of, a couple of stories that I heard. Um, one was Dwayne uh, Wade told a story. Mm. Uh, the Lakers had come to Miami, 
and um, it was when LeBron was in Miami, mm-hmm. and Miami had beaten them handily, <laughs> right? And there was like a shot. There was a shot that Kobe, you know, I, I think he'd attacked the right, like the left elbow, and sidestepped and pulled up from the right and yeah. missed it during the game a couple of times. And LeBron and Dwayne Wade were doing a post presser. Mm. You know, they were in the in the thingy, and, and someone, one of the coaches, comes over. He's like, "Guys, look at this." Go to the fucking arena, totally empty. Mm. But there he is. Mm. There's Kobe with a coach, like an assistant coach, out on the floor. Yeah. And the way that Dwayne Wade tells the story was LeBron and him were like, "Fuck this!" They took their they took mm. their their civvy clothes off. If There's you like, a guy 16, 15 years into the league. Like, yeah. You you know they took their civvy clothes off and they went to they went and got a workout in because mm-hmm. they were like, "This guy is unstoppable," yeah. and he made it, he made people like LeBron James want to be better. Yeah. You know, which is insane. Right. Um. And then the other story that I had about that, that I know about Kobe is that uh, J.K. Rowling, mm. the author of the mm. Harry Potter series, she wrote all her books, or she wrote her first three books in Edinburgh. Does any good? Uh, the Harry Potters, I, I don't know. They're not very famous, at least, mm. but um, they're kind of lesser known nowadays, mm. you know. So um, more of a cult following. Yes, of course, of course, they have some fans, I'm sure, some out fans. there. But Kobe, Kobe pestered, um, Kobe pestered J.K. Rowling before he wrote um, Dear Basketball. Mm. So like, <laughs> like J.K. Rowling's getting called from fucking Kobe Bryant halfway around Three the Three in the morning. Like, should I put a comma after this? Yeah, like so, he was calling her and he was like, and he was saying to her, he called her apparently called her some four or five times. Okay, and he would just, he would just ask a question, listen, mm. and then he would ask another question. Huge. Listen, ask another question, listen, and they'd be like, thanks, J.K. Chat to you soon. Bah, done. Yeah. Head show. Hmm. Like, see you later. And it's like, come on, man. Like, can you not give us a, can you not, stop making me feel like shit. Right, right. <laughs> Even just like right now, I'm like, hey, I don't want to really go visit any accounts. I'm tired. It's snowy. It was a long night last night. It's been a long month so far, but. Hey, one, one, one little thing before we talk a little bit more, Kobe. Mm-hmm. Could measure some bar. Great bar. Great bar. Yeah, did a great thing for us Safia. last night. Safia. Safia, baby. Yeah, definitely. No, the shout out to Drew and Safia over at Good Measure and helping us out last night to raise some money for the World Wildlife Fund in Australia. It was amazing. Yeah, live auction. Um, Sold a lot of cocktails. I drank a lot of cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) Bought a round for the bar. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, you left it. You left before that happened. Oh, dear. Um, Yeah. I had the cold fashion, which was nice. Yeah, it's always a good chase. But yeah, no, it's a great bar. If you're over in Chicago and need a good place to drink over at River North. Maybe you're over catching an NBA game. Hmm. Maybe you're here during All-Star Weekend, because I think a lot of NBA All-Stars listen to this whiskey podcast. Who knows? Probably not. No, nah, I, I don't think there's a lot of them that are very big whiskey fans. There is like one person from Nigeria, though. There's one person from Nigeria. Shout out to you, Nigeria. Maybe a few downloads from India. Shout out to you, India. We have a couple of consistent followers from, uh, from Well, Ireland. India, the Indians are mad over yeah. whiskey. Yeah. They're, I think it's the biggest consumer. I think so. Uh, definitely of single malt. I know that. But... I believe it. I mean, there's a billion people there, and they like one point two now. I think there's one point eight in China. It's too many. Check it out. That might be the reason why there's coronavirus. Well, that's in the other. That, we're talking about talking about China, right? We're talking about China, Remy. Remy passed out. Beautiful dog. She was a um, she's a rambunctious little dog about thirty minutes ago. And now she's she's eating half a bone and she's out. <laughs> <laughs> talking about China. That was another thing that I heard uh, Mike Breen, you know, the famous mm-hmm. announcer. 
you know, if anyone doesn't know the NBA very well, Mike Breen is the bang <laughs> announcer. So someone hits a three and he shout bang. And it's probably the best mm. piece of sports casting in, 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 in the world. Mm. Um, hmm. <laughs> bang. Great. I'll tell him for three. Bang. Yeah, anyway. Um, LeBron for three. Won't go. Bosh with the rebound. Uh, that's one of my favorite pieces of sports commentating of all time. Game nice. six, 2014. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Mike Breen tells a story about when he was in China for the 2008 Olympic Games. The US had lost in Athens. I think they came third. I think they had the bronze medal. Yep. They got beat by Argentina, I think. That sounds right. Uh, got beat by manager Nobley yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and his yep. team in the, in the semifinal. Um, and then I think they beat Lithuania or someone like that in the in the third fourth playoff. And in two thousand and eight or two, early two thousand and seven or late two thousand six, yeah. they they formed they what they called yeah. the Redeem Team with mm-hmm. Jerry Colangelo, who was for a long time, um, I think he was the general manager at the Philadelphia Seventy yeah. Sixers. Jerry Colangelo was this guy who just commanded respect from all these dudes, and a lot of these Team USA stories are from that team, that Redeem yes. Team. Um. And so they go to the, the, the 2008 Olympics and everybody was saying, oh, is this the changing of the guards? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is this when basketball becomes a u- universal thing? Yep. You know, that is the US done? Is it over? Is it finished? And I remember, I remember that was one of the first ever games, full length games that I watched because it was on TV. You know, uh, we could, we could, the Olympics was massively covered in, in the UK. Um, and I remember watching USA Spain. 2008 and it's and you should see this thing on YouTube the highlights of that game have so many views it's it's a massively watched basketball game because there's a couple of plays in that game that are ginormous mm-hmm. um the D Wade was an amazing player in that game and he scored I think he top scored for them uh, there was a bunch of threes and LeBron had a couple of dunks but there's one play uh, that I actually wrote down before we came in and it's the four point play where Rudy Fernandez the Spanish forward fouls Kobe mm. and I think they're up two or three and Kobe's out of the three-point line. He does like a that that famous coveted right foot jab step, ball into the middle, you know. Mm. And he comes back and he pulls up for three, shoots it. Rudy catches him on the arm, on the forearm. It, go, it swishes it, okay? The ref calls a foul and Kobe Bryant turns to the crowd like and puts his finger to his mouth, like saying shush, basically, mm. like I'm number one. Like yeah. this is insane. No, a lot of the NBA players credit their growth on that team that going from hey i'm gonna be really really good great to be like i'm gonna be a superstar yeah because it's him well i mean you look at that team man i think it was i mean you just some of the names on that michael red was in that team he was the only one that people maybe don't know Mm -hmm. but the rest of it was you know jason kidd chris paul chris was jason kidd in the 2018 i think so or was it 2012 was he I don't know if he, he wasn't playing in 2012. Uh, maybe, maybe he wasn't then. Yeah. But Chris Paul ran the point. He yeah. was the number yeah. one. Um, and then you've got D-Wade, yeah. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, yeah. Chris Bosh, yeah. uh, Dwight Howard. In his prime. Yeah, Dwight Howard when he was like no back surgery, mm-hmm. could touch the top of the backboard quite literally. Yeah. Um, and these guys were just, they were Carmelo Anthony. And yeah, that was when Carmelo, Carmelo was yeah. slim yeah. and he could get up, you know. Definitely. That team was incredible, the Redeem team. And I remember those were my favorite pair of shoes. Oh, yeah. I think they were called the Hyperizes or the Hyperfuse. Or they, ha- they were a high top and they were in the US colors. And my friend, Ali Horn, we'll call him, we used to call him Ivan because he looked Dutch. 
But Ali Horn got these shoes and I loved them. They were beautiful. The 2008 Olympic team shoes. But You're right. Jason Kidd was on that team. Yeah, he was. Who yeah. else? Michael Red? Uh, Carlos Boozer. Boozer was on that team? Darren Williams was on that team. Darren Williams. Makes sense. Great, great, great shooter in his time. Yeah, good point guard. Um, Tayshawn Prince. I was wondering if he Great long defender. Yeah. I think we named everybody else that was on it before. Yeah. Paul, yeah, LeBron, yep. Kobe, Anthony, Bosch, Howard, mm-hmm. um, yeah, think like, D Wade. Yeah, then like the next batch of guys that came up in the 2012, like what's 2012 that? 2012 Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And Durant. Durant was, that was like his, his when Durant was played in the Worlds, I think it was. Deron Williams was in that team as well. 2010, I think. Oh, was, that was a when, humongous year. You can see it was like him. passing of the guard. Like, yeah. like oh, okay, like it's like it, he's now in that top five conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, Durant got, when did he get drafted? Six, seven? Six? Uh, I mean, he's been in the league a long time now. Yeah, we were in college. I think, yeah, I think we were both freshmen. 2006, I think. I think we were both freshmen at the same time in college. Oh, no way. He was, a, he was a Longhorn, right? Yeah. Go Horns. Go Horns. Hook'em Horns. Hook'em Horns. Hook'em Horns. Um, but even, even KD came out and talked about Kobe, man. Mm-hmm. Just everyone. The, the, the and impact is, and it is wasn't, incredible. And it wasn't from afar. They're talking about like literally mentoring him, all these players that you had no idea, like guys that are like B players in the NBA, but he saw something in them. Well, you look look at, I mean, Kyrie Irving worked out with him a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a great clip of, I think it was 2012 when Kyrie got into that USA team in the Olympics and he's, and Kyrie's talking about um, playing one-on-one for, mm-hmm. I think it's $10,000 with Kobe or 50. You know, he's like, hey, I'll play one-on-one right now. You know, and Kobe's like, there's no fucking way, you know. There's a great clip as well when uh, Kyrie's, I think it's Kyrie has the ball and Kobe checks him the ball and he's and he's just inside the half. And Kobe puts so much pressure on him. He steals the ball or he, knocked, he knocks the ball loose from Kyrie Irving, who's arguably got the best handles yeah. in the NBA, six times. Wow. And you can just see that, like, that was lean by example. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just set the tone from the get-go. He, He's gonna he's gonna take away what you do best. Like it's like Bill Belichick with the NFL, with the Patriots. Like what we're gonna stop whatever you do best, we're gonna take that away. It's just I but mean, he he could do that on offense and defense. We we're just like we're two me and you are two guys who mm-hmm. sell booze, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're not like doing anything special. We're not curing cancer. And <laughs> that was something that someone said to me about Kobe. You know, he was cancer. like you're you're not oh yeah we might be creating it who knows um more more um speaking of whiskey by the way yeah. um more I'm gonna have this uh, Oregon it's the closest stout. whiskey I have to California so is that a Portland Oregon Westward whiskey it's American single malt um, and that is uh, I believe it's finished in stout casts it is yeah from a local brewery that's delicious what it says stuff in the bottle that's what it says delicious on the stuff my uh, probably my favorite oh. American single malt expression thank you. We're drinking out of um, some Marty Duffy Glencairn glasses. The whiskey uh, extravaganza. Independent Spirits Expo. Marty Duffy actually gave me a tiny, small Glencairn. Oh, yeah. It's like a pocket Glencairn. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, so people people keep saying that to me. They're like, you know, this guy, obviously, a lot of people mentioned the controversy in the early 2000s, you know, with that young woman in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also say, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't anything special. You know, he wasn't curing cancer and he wasn't doing this, that, and the next thing. But... He changed lives, you know, yeah. and, and before I before I get sidetracked again, t- going back to the Mike, Green, Mike Breen story, Mike Breen said that when he was in uh, Asia, when he was in China for the 2008 Olympics, he gets in a cab and he was wearing an NBA jacket. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. The taxi driver asks him, do you know Kobe Bryant? <laughs> and he says, I've met Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And the taxi driver had to pull over because he had to cry. Yeah. 
Like what? <laughs> like I mean, if you if if that if that isn't global reach, then mm-hmm. you know nothing is. Yeah. There's nothing that's global reach. You know. Yeah. You know. You know. You just don't hear that about other athletes. Not taking nothing away from other people. It's just. It, I don't think anybody understood the impact that he had. So that reached so far until his passing, because everyone was like choked up about it. And I couldn't. I couldn't watch TV for like two days and listen to people. Like, yeah, I remember. I remember you. You were. You were caught up about it, yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. It's insane. And yeah. you you said that your old man who like knew how much you loved Kobe Bryant, yeah. like he sent you a message and it was like, Hey, like this yeah. is important to you. I know that and Definitely. No, it's uh it's it's something to um I hate idolizing people because they're only gonna let you down, <laughs> probably somehow. Yeah. Uh the whole Colorado thing I don't wanna talk about because I have no idea what ever happened. And yeah. I was, a, I the mean, only thing a, I'll say about it is that I talked to a lot of women about it last week. Um, cause I was wearing, uh, that Jersey at speed rack last week. Oh yeah. And so, uh, people were curious. Yeah. They were just talking to me, like come up and have conversations and it's a woman whiskey event essentially or a bartender event. So there's a lot of women around and I had these great conversations with women who were like, definitely took his side on everything. It was, it was weird. I, I, and I'll only say like, I'm, I'm glad that you, I can have this conversation with a woman about it because yeah. from a man's point of view, I, I don't know what to say. Um, I mean, well, I think, I think the most important thing is that. Kobe, only there's only two people that know yeah. really what happens. Yeah. Um, Kobe, the one the one thing that I, I can I can say about it is that Kobe came out and he was he admitted where he felt he was at fault. You know, he yeah. said, "Listen, I understand now. Look that that now going through this process, I understand that she didn't see it the same way that I see I now see or I saw it at the time, mm-hmm. and I now see it differently, mm-hmm. and I apologize for that." Um, but on the other hand, you know, I have a friend, I had a, a friend who recently died in, um, an older friend, much older, um, in, in Scotland. And I won't say too much about um, what happened to him and, and, and who he was or anything like that. But he recently died after um, a long fight with cancer. He was mm. 79, I think, or early 80s. Um, and he, he had had something similar happen to him. Mm. Um, and when the investigation was carried out, you know, there was no evidence and there was no basis on on what had happened. Now, his life was ruined because of it. Now, there's a fine line, obviously, between, you know, it, in that sense, you know, he'd been accused of something and, and, he, and he was found not to be guilty of it. But then there's another thing where the Kobe, the Kobe case was different because he was a public figure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a public figure and as someone who, who people are looking up to you, and don't get me wrong, he was young, but that's no excuse. Yep. He should have been more um, aware of his image and how he was treating someone because at the end of the day, it was an affair. He, he cheated yeah. on his wife yeah, yeah. and that's not that's not something to be to be sneered at. Um, and obviously, you've got to be... And, and I'm glad you said that women had come up and said that to you or at least that you'd spoken to women about mm-hmm. it because there's always going to be a division of opinion on it. And yeah. And that's kind of where I stand. You know, I don't know enough about it yeah. to say anything left or right. Yeah, I've heard um, like other stories from people that live in Colorado, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. you're like, I like, okay, that's that's great. I don't know. You don't know either. And, so, And I think the one thing that maybe didn't 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 exonerate Kobe from what he did, mm-hmm. but one thing was that, you know, he had, for, I bet you at the end of his life, when he was getting to the end, that he felt 
way differently about what had happened because yeah. if he'd had four girls and and, yeah. and he was trying his best to be the best father he could Definitely. be. Um, it was uh, interesting to see too the outpouring of support he got from women writers yeah. who admitted they covered it wrong that whole a whole case wrong over that year and a half however long it existed in the earlier 2000s um and coming to his aid and seeing the tears they welling up with them talking about the memories he had talking about being a father to his daughters yeah so it, it's um it's something it seemed like many people got past but for me it was like, like you've said a couple of times and i've said i was a big kobe Bryant fan big fan of his but in my mind, it was never completely acquitted. It was always like, yeah, he was like always a 1% there. Like every time I heard his name or about the greatness and everything, it was kind of always in the back of my head. It's like, well, what happened well, that night? Well, yeah, what happened that night? Yeah. So, and, and it's not like you – know, I really think it's a mistake of what happened in the Super Bowl recently where you have multiple guys – who are have domestic multiple domestic abuse charges yeah, up there, like disgrace. being praised, and because you won a Super Bowl and no one's talking about that, like like yeah, literally, like you broke your kid's arm, but it's okay now because you won a ring, yeah, and then you, you beat somebody up and yeah, whatever it may be, but um, but no, I mean, and it's something that you know I saw a post the other day about talking about Kobe, and a lot of people have said you know I don't really want to talk about it because I don't know enough about it, but mm-hmm. a friend of mine posted basically saying that. These things that make us uncomfortable, these conversations yeah. that make us uncomfortable, we have to bring them to light more because if we do, then women and men who are assaulted sexually, yeah. um, and of course I know that 99% of the cases are women. Yeah. Um, but And like 99% of the men who are sexually assaulted are sexually assaulted by other men. So. Yeah, so <laughs> 99 or all of these people that have gone through something like that, you know, you should... The more we talk about it, the more normalized it will be to f- for them to come 100%, forward. So, yeah. And maybe in the future, if something similar like that does happen to an NBA player mm-hmm. or if there's something similar like that, a woman does find herself in that situation, yeah. she's able to come forward earlier and with more confidence in the system, right? Definitely. And it's always just a hesitancy because there's always the Patrick Kane cases where like someone accuses him just because they know he's a famous hockey player yeah. and they can get some, try to exploit him. Well, Patrick Kane's obviously super famous out here in, in yeah. Chicago, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... That's that like something I was closer to because I knew his cousin. I worked with his cousin and stuff. Like, and oh, like no it, way. it ruined him. Yeah, you know, it, not just his public image, but him mentally as a person. You're like, oh, you're, you're going through this something you didn't do, and it can take away your whole entire life. Yeah, and the and the problem with that is that, and rightly, I mean, in in a lot of senses, rightly so. You know, someone says that this happened. Yeah, and we all assume because there yeah. are so many cases where it does happen. Yeah, you know, and yeah, hundreds but, and hundreds of cases. I mean, just you you don't have to look far in the political sphere. Yeah, won't mention names, but you don't have to look far in this <laughs> political sphere to to find that. So no, I think the best thing you can kind of take away from it when you're talking about somebody who's not here anymore is that it seemed he learned from that lesson and went full force in the opposite direct opposite yeah. direction. To I don't know if he's a better husband. I don't know, but it seemed like in public public sphere that he was a really good father to his daughter. Girl, dad, they call him. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's something you can take away from it. He built up women's basketball, which women's sports, um, in the local area, promoting it. Um, hopefully his, his daughter seemed like she could be like this huge ambassador for that to grow, um, more nationally and internationally because of her skill set, and also because of who her father is and the name, last name on the back of her Jersey. It'll be, it'll be curious to see the effect it has on the family, you know, mm-hmm. going forward and not just, not just Kobe's family, but the, all of the families, you know, and I know yeah. that, yeah. I know that already a bunch of NBA players have already come out and said that they're going to support mm. the other families and uh, Kobe Bryant's family have already said, Hey, yeah. we're going to make sure that these people are want for nothing. 
yeah. um, which obviously isn't going to bring anyone back. No. It, isn't going to, it doesn't no. make anything better, but hopefully they'll be in a bit of a better I think place. The, yeah, what you can do to take from that is just be a better person. Um, yeah. Tell everybody you know you love them. If you have little minor disputes with people, drop them. Yeah, I, that day, honestly, man, I was so affected by it. I, I messaged my family. Mm. It was just like, hey, like, it's a shame that, it, and we see this every time these events happen. Yeah. We see this every single time <laughs> these events happen. It's a shame that we, it takes this for us to speak Absolutely. about that. Um, I, I, was, I was super happy that I had an event that night where, you know, good friends and good people and just a whole night of laughs could kind of take your head away from it. Yeah. Because um, I, yeah. I, I, I came home and ended up watching SportsCenter, like, for an hour or two. Didn't really want to, but couldn't sleep. And you're like, oh, and then I have to revisit it all the next morning. Uh, I was assume people have 24 hours to kind of reassess the situation. And it was Super Bowl week as well. So it was, it was it overshadowed the Super Bowl, which it's impossible to do. And yeah. it shows just the magnitude that he had on everybody's lives yeah. in that sense. But uh, And there was so many. There was just an outpouring of support all over the sporting mm-hmm. world, all over the world in general. You know? Yeah. No, it was something. Like I heard that um, flower shops in L.A., people came in to buy you know roses to put at the memoriam memorial at uh um Staples center and they were like is this for kobe and like yeah and like it's take him take him yeah like because la i mean l like you know that yeah. night i was so i was so not angry but so disappointed in the way that some of the things down at the grant like alicia keys handled it really professionally mm-hmm. um i thought she was amazing yeah. and you know, shout out Alicia Keys. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. She better be. <laughs> if she is, baby, give me a call. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's, I mean, an incredibly talented musician, actress, writer, producer, everything. Um, but, you know, she handled it very well. And, she, and something that came up, came to me when, when they were doing it, because it was in the Staples Center, right? She said, we are in standing. We're sitting yeah. in the house that Kobe Bryant built. That's pretty cool. You know, and, and I felt that everybody should have alluded to that somehow. You know, mm-hmm. everybody or they should have done some kind of chat. I don't know, but... And maybe they did. I've not, I've not watched the whole thing, but I watched a lot of the speeches and I feel like, you know, such a, such a massive event in LA. You know, they, they thought that maybe... They nearly thought that it wasn't going to happen the, because there were so many people mm-hmm. outside, outside, out, yeah. out Staples, Staples Center. Yeah. I mean, I, you just got to think now what's going to happen with statues and because they're surely going to have a statue to Kobe. Should Bryant. be more than one. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's uh, go back to just the impact he had on everybody across the culture. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I think it just goes back to the mentality of there's always more in the, in the tank. You can always do more. Um, try new things. You don't have to follow some one certain path in life to you know, be stretched down and live a mundane existence. You can always do new things and recreate yourself. Um, it's basically what I've done for like 33 years of my life where <laughs> I didn't really ever use my college degree and I've done various different careers, if you want to call it that, but and um, feel very stable in what I do now. But always know there's like something else else out there that I want to do and create. And people like that are inspiring to do that. Um, to follow not your dreams, but follow your passions. Yeah, and I think, like we said, that laser focus on one goal. Yeah. And sometimes I think we all get bogged down in so many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, we get bogged down in projects and travel and work and family, and we we get confused and lost in 
in all of the different decisions that we make as we watch Remy, who's making one decision to sleep on the couch. The couch looks more comfortable than the floor, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we do get lost in that, don't we? You get lost in the in the confusion that's happening all the time and the different decisions and Instagram and Facebook <laughs> and what you want people to think to what you think and what you would like to think. And Kobe had that one overarching goal that was just be better at basketball mm -hmm. than everyone else. Yep. And he did whatever he could to attain that. And when it came to retirement time, you know, he scored 60 points against his jazz <laughs> and his last night. <laughs> this is the last full NBA game I've watched too. That was the last full NBA. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. From start to finish. Oh, damn. Yeah. And so when it comes to like that last game or whatever, you know, and then he, he just, he just switched. He completely switched. Yeah to something else you know then he wanted to write about basketball and mm -hmm. he did and then he won an Oscar that fucker <laughs> and then he wanted to become a father like or not become a father but be a better father yeah you know with the be more part of their lives yeah like so he starts coaching he spends all his time with these kids he takes some traveling he does lots of coaching he does the detail thing on ESPN but he just was focused the main focus was being a really good father and it's like Jesus Christ Kobe you know like yeah I think that's the most we can take away from it. Just uh, follow in those footsteps of greatness. Do, 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 yeah, be a, be a legend. Be a legend in somehow in your life. Mamba mentality. Doesn't matter if it's just uh, maybe you're uh, you make dinner for your your wife and kids or whatever it may be. But it's easy enough just to be a, a good person. It's not that hard. It's a lot easier to be be a, a nice person than it is a mean person. Yeah, and just before we exit stage left. Exit stage right for me. Oh, um, no, I'm kidding. That's out the window. I was going to say it's out the window. <laughs> um, just before we go off, like, I mean, for me, you know, like I said at the beginning, um, I don't even know if we were on the air at the time, but I think I think we were. Uh, Heath. Mm -hmm. Big, big loss, right? Yeah. That was like a big thing where I was like, oh my God, like Heath. Those are the only two celebrities where I know I was sitting yeah. when that happened or what, was I, what I was doing. Because like with Heath Ledger, huge fan as well and the girl I was dating at the time I was driving to Omaha from Des Moines to go to a Drake oh Creighton basketball game oh um, Drake was number 12 in the country at that point um, and uh, we were driving down I-80 to Omaha and my friend she texts me and it's like Heath Leather just passed away and you know, like, she called me and I was driving and was with like three or four of my friends and one of the other guys was a huge fan too and like we'd like pull over it's like what, what, what? yeah like what the fuck yeah so, you know, Heath and then Kit and then Kobe, just massive, massive impact. And I suppose the lesson for me to take away is not just the being great and focusing and effort, but also to understand that our impact goes a lot further than we know. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think even Kobe knew Definitely. how much he meant to everybody, yep. you know, and despite... I'm sure hundreds of people telling him through his <laughs> life and signing bras and kissing babies and all the rest of it. Or whiskey glasses, maybe even. Maybe. Um, you know, you have to bear that in mind that you all the stuff that you're doing, all these efforts that you're putting in, hopefully the plan would be that someone will remember you. And if you do if you do anything to even 10% or 50% of the, the effort and the, the determination that Kobe did, then it's almost guaranteed that someone will. So yeah. if anything you're going to take away, then you got to put the work in. Yeah, the lessons I learned from people like Kobe Bryant is what 
the reason why I have this podcast and this website because at the time when I started it, um, I was working three different jobs, freelancing and stuff, and I wanted to do something that I was really passionate about and wanted to succeed at doing that. And I thought that, hey, this might be a way of getting a job I want into the future and a few months of after just kind of grinding every day and doing a lot of stuff for free. I eventually ran into my now boss because of this website. So um, if take that with, you know, however you want to, but it's not, uh, it's all about the hard work that pays off usually in the long end. And, and somebody will appreciate what you're doing, I think, uh, if you, as long as you work hard at it. 100%. Well, um, we tried recording this podcast, Matt Brown and I did, uh, on our last podcast on episode 56, but Matt was talking over me and laughing at me for my memorial of Kobe. Kobe. So uh, we did not, rec- not air that on the last podcast, but I'm glad that Callum could come here and we could have an hour-long conversation about this. An hour? Yeah. Quick hour. Shit. Remy, I'm glad you could be here too. Thank you, Remy. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thanks for coming on again. Um, Wilson, I don't know where you are. I uh, hope you're all right. We, um, you. we don't know where you've been for the last couple of weeks, but Torres. I'm sure you're selling some uh, some Kansas whiskey. Yabe uh, in el lago. Calum is also <laughs> the uh, Abelauer ambassador here in Chicago, Illinois. So if you ever want to drink some Abelauer, just uh, um, scan his card. <laughs> Scan my QR code. We scan my QR code. Scan his QR code. And uh, as for us here, um, I don't think I even said my name, so it's your first podcast listening to us. My name is Jake. <laughs> I uh, run this podcast, I guess. So uh, try our best. If you want, if you want to, yeah. If you want to uh, check us out, just uh, follow us at Keen the Lake uh, on mostly on Instagram and then KeenTheLake.com. And in full transparency, I am the brand ambassador for a whiskey distillery out of Australia called Star Ward, and we are running some charity events across the world to raise money for the World Wildlife Fund and the victims and the animal victims of uh, the forest fire or the brush fire bushfires in Australia. So. If you want to check out anything that we're doing, just uh, go to our website or Instagram. And just as a wee soundbite, mm. I'm going to tell a wee Australian joke. Oh, thank God. So in Australia, they love poetry. Mm. And every year they have this national poetry competition. <laughs> and the host of the poetry competition uh, has two contestants in the final. On his left stands a university professor. On his right stands this Aborigine guy. Um, who everyone's like, this guy's never going to win. He's got a beer in hand, right? Mm-hmm. And so the they host says, they usually do. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we are going to put a poem to these two. They have to come up with a four line poem on the spot that rhymes with Timbuktu. <laughs> and so he hands the microphone over to the university professor, and the audience is nervous. And she says, Across the arid desert sands, Rounds a lonely caravan. Camels moving two by two. Destination, Timbuktu. And the crowd goes absolutely apeshit. That's one of the best poems they've ever heard. Oh my God. Like people are clapping, Inspiring. throwing roses on the stage. Everyone's like, oh my God. And then so he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not over. Yeah. Passes the microphone over to the Aboriginal guy. He takes a sip of his beer. And he says, Tim and I are hunting went. Came across some girls in a pop-up tent. They were three, we were two, I bucked one, and Tim bucked two. Cheers. Cheers.